Hello, it's Philly here. Just a quick announcement before we jump into today's episode. Natural Medicine Week, hosted by Australian Traditional Medicine Society, is coming up on the 22nd to the 28th of May. I'm a proud ambassador for Natural Medicine Week, which showcases all the many ways natural medicine can restore the body and mind with live online events run by qualified practitioners across Australia. You can check out the link in the show notes to find your way to Natural Medicine Week. As part of the event, I'll be holding a special free Root Cause of Emotional Eating Masterclass, which you can sign up for via the Natural Medicine Week website. During the masterclass, I'll be digging into emotional eating, food addictions, sugar cravings, and the hidden imbalances in the body that cause this behavior, as well as the metaphysical imbalances that are at the deepest root cause of emotional eating. Hope you can make it. Okay, on to today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Ending Body Burnout Show, where your hosts, Chris and Philly, co-founders of multi-award-winning functional medicine practice, serving busy people with energy, mood and gut issues. While busyness, overworking, addictive doing and perfectionism might be the norm, it's not normal and it's a major contributor to health issues. Our goal with this show is to give you a holistic root, root cause approach to healing your body so that you don't have to continue doctor or diet hopping or popping a gazillion supplements hoping something might stick. So get ready to heal your body, get your spark back, deeply connect with yourself and step into the life of your dreams. Let's dive in. Hey, it's Philly here on the Ending Body Burnout Show. I am so excited for our guest today. I'm going to be talking to Joe Whitten from Quirky Cooking. If you don't know Joe, you're going to just love her. If you do, I know that you're going to love this conversation. So Joe and I go into her own healing story. She has a fascinating story about her own health and how she used food as medicine to heal her body. And then later on to also heal her son, Isaac, who was diagnosed with OCD and severe anxiety. Um, We're going to talk a lot about gut health because that was a big part of their journey and look at the root causes behind their own health issues and also um, answering some listener questions. So I put out a post uh, and we've got a few uh, questions from listeners who wanted to pick Joe's brain as well. So if you submitted a question for Joe, wait until the end because she is going to answer your question. Now, um, let me introduce Joe officially. So Joe Whitten lives in far north Queensland where she runs her business quirky cooking from home and enjoys the country life. Due to food intolerances in her family, herself and her four children, Joe began researching ways to improve her health and their health through diet from the time her kids were very young. In 2008, she began a blog, Quirky Cooking, to share what she was learning and the recipes she was developing for her family. In 2014, Joe's son Isaac was diagnosed with severe OCD and anxiety, which resulted in a deep dive into gut health and food as medicine. Not only did Isaac's mental health stabilize, but her whole family saw massive improvements in their overall health. Joe has since helped thousands of families to heal with food, sharing the principles she used to heal her own family. And I was one of those. I've been cooking along with Joe for the last 10 years. Joe runs health seminars, cooking workshops, retreats, and other events both in Australia and overseas, sharing how to transition to a healing whole food diet in a doable and sustainable way. She also shares podcasts and videos and facilitates gut health programs to support people working through healing with food, regularly develops new recipes for her audience, and shares daily cooking videos from her kitchen on social media. Joe is the author of three best-selling cookbooks, Quirky Cooking, Life-Changing Food, and Simple Healing Food. And I am so excited to talk to Joe now. Okay, Joe, I am so excited to have you on our podcast. I Thank think you. I said in my email that I've been following you for the last 10 years. So my whole when I got into nutrition and food as medicine after my own health broke down. 
you were the first person that introduced me how to use a Thermomix to cook healthy food. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's cool. So it's super (laughs) exciting to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Okay. So our podcast is all about ending body burnout. So most people who get into health and healing from my experience and knowing quite a lot of people um, have usually experienced their own form of body burnout. And we, we see that specifically in energy, mood and gut issues and usually other inflammatory type symptoms showing up. So I don't know if this resonates with you, but I always say your mess is your message. <laughs> yep. And totally. I do know, I do know that you've had a really incredible healing journey for yourself and your family. So can you take us back to the early 2000s and what your health looked like back then? Oh, okay. Early 2000s. How old was I then? I think I was in my thirties and I had, I was very exhausted <laughs> Um, and I think I had a lot of signs of burnout. Um, I have always been a very um, go, go, go kind of person, you know, intense in some ways, like just if I'm stressed or anxious, I'll work harder, which I think is pretty common. Um, and I had four kids um, that around that time, let's see, well, I wouldn't have had four kids by then because my youngest is 19. So, I mean, yeah, so it would have been, yeah, I would have been in the midst of the crazy years in 2000. Um, And it was full on, for those of you who have small children that are pretty close together, yeah. Four kids is a lot too. (laughs) It's difficult. And I had always struggled with my health um, and I I had been underweight all my life, low energy, always getting sick, um, hormone issues, skin issues. Um, Is that even right back like to childhood, would you say, or more? Yeah, and I know a lot more now about why, but Mm. when I was a child, no one knew why. I was always the one that was sick, Mm. Um, you know, having done so much research and study and work on my health now, I know that I had... Um, genetically I wasn't able to detox well Mm. and we lived in a house that would have had well my bedroom would have had a lot of mold Um, we lived in a house where it flooded the underneath of the house every year Mm. (laughs) during the wet season and my bedroom was under the house and so my bedroom would have this much water in it every year and we'd sweep it all out it was a cement floor with matting Mm. we just dry all the matting outside and you know the lovely chipboard wardrobe I'm sure soaked up plenty of mold and I was always sneezing always really high histamines Mm. um and itchy and you know all the histamine stuff Mm. that associated with mold and the low energy um yeah so that would have been part of it um and I just have always struggled with any kind of mold now yeah <laughs> um, so back then we didn't know what it was and I just had Sudafed and antihistamines and you know all that stuff didn't seem to work um and as I got older then it was all the hormone stuff then of course I was put onto all the the pill and the medications and all of that kind of thing for my skin and for my hormones um, reacting to all the foods and so by the time I had kids um, I was so depleted and I in 2000 in the early 2000s yeah it was three kids the fourth was born 2003 um, and we were living on a farm by then and <laughs> crop dusters flying over the house spraying mm. the fields next to us the all the pesticides in the fields right outside our window um I think that wouldn't have helped and my health just got worse and worse and so did my kids um and we just really struggled at that time I thought it was I didn't know much about gut health and I thought it's food intolerances where what we need to do is pull back and not have dairy and gluten and sugar and this and this and this and this and then we'll be better so that's the stage I was at 
in the early 2000s. <laughs> okay. Wow. There's so many, as you're saying stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds so much <laughs> like me. I remember it wasn't when I was young, but um, before kids lived in an apartment that was flooded every winter, every yep. winter, sometimes three <laughs> times. And you'd like oh, pull yes, the so. carpet up, dry it yep. all out, stick it back down, flooding <laughs> So much mold, so much mold. And it is interesting too, because a lot of people like, did you notice the, was the reason why you started thinking about food first, because you saw a connection with your symptoms. So were there certain things that flared up when you ate certain foods? Yeah. So, you know, if I ate dairy, I was on the toilet in half an hour and less and um, the headaches and this, this, just the runny nose and all of that Mm. dairy really made it a lot worse. And I figured that out quite early. Yeah. 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 And it is interesting because I find that like in my clinical practice too, a lot of people are like, oh, it's this food and it's this food and it's this food. And oh, I don't know. Now I don't know because sometimes I can eat it and sometimes I'm fine. And then other times I can't. And it can get super confusing, especially when you're just trying to look at just food alone and we'll talk about deeper stuff as well but then it's almost like well how what do you do do you just eat restrictive for the rest of your life which is not a fun place to be in no I remember going through the whole when I was at uni and I was like 18 19 seeing dietitian the dietitian and the doctors and everything about all the trying to gain weight trying to stop having so much issues with all the food reactions, trying to fix my skin, trying to fix my hormones. Mm. And really the only answer I was given was um, for my skin, I had give, well, I was given the pill and medication and a cream to put on my skin that took off the top layer. Mm. Horrible. Um, who knows? I can't remember what it was called. And then I was told to have the little pills before I had any dairy that broke down the enzymes yep. and then I was also told to drink soy milk oh. and <laughs> I was told to um, sprinkle sustagen on all my food that was not very nice wow. sustagen flavored mashed potatoes is not nice but I did it I did everything they told me for a year mm-hmm. nothing changed zero no weight gain wasn't healthier everything was the same and I was like well that's that there's nothing I can do. It's genetic. I have to mm. live with it. Yeah. And, and so, then, and then what? What? And then, like, is this when? When did quirky cooking start becoming a thing? <laughs> well, I always had in the back of my mind. I think it was a gut feeling mm. um, that I, I just knew that food had something to do with it. But whenever I, like, the dietitian didn't really help me with that. She was more prescribing things than actually helping me with food. Um, and the doctors I asked a doctor about how I could help with my health with my health and my weight and underweight and all that and he mm-hmm. said just um you just need to eat lots of chops and ice cream and then you'll gain weight oh man <laughs> ice cream yeah hang on isn't there the dairy thing going on too <laughs> I, I know and um yeah I just couldn't seem to find anyone that would talk to me about food <laughs> I remember scouring the secondhand shops for um, cookbooks on health and I would find all these old 70s cookbooks and stuff and, and it was all about raw food and vegetarian and mm. so I'm like well maybe that's the answer so then I was trying to have as much raw as I could which does not suit me and especially mm. when you've got gut health issues um, I was cutting all the fat off my meat I was trying to have less meat I was trying to have a lot of legumes and of course that really made things worse I didn't know that at the time I was having so much grains because I was really focusing on, you know, trying to do everything myself from scratch because I thought Mm. whole food from scratch, maybe that's the answer. So I would grind my own grains and make all my own breads. And then I would eat like six big slices of bread a day because I was hungry and I was looking after little children and breastfeeding and starving (laughs) (laughs) and um, always low blood sugar, like just shaky and Mm hangry within two hours of eating just like it was constant up and down Mm. um and then I I finally when my youngest was one um I finally went to a naturopath and a chiropractor at the same time around the same time and they were the ones that got me on the right track so both of them talked to me about the food I was eating and food for healing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when everything started to change. And then as I learnt 
all of that um, little by little. Of course, it wasn't instant. Um, I started to adjust my recipes and started to make up recipes to suit how, how we needed to eat. And that's when um, the idea for a blog happened when I was there living on the farm in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so cool. <laughs> so cool. And then your blog just, was it kind of just like exploded? Because I came across you a little bit later, probably in, uh, when was my first chart? Probably in about 2012 or 13. Were you kind of just like sharing recipes and yeah. and then all of a sudden people are like, give us more, Joe. Yeah, really funny. I think I I think I hit the market at the right time, which I had no idea. I, like I, I remember thinking, I'm gonna start a blog. And I'm like, well, actually is a blog. So I'm like searching on the internet, but it's yeah. a blog. Um and my idea was to share the kind of things that I was cooking and a meal plan each week. So that's how it started. Um, and I was using the Thermomix a lot. And back then there wasn't a lot of Thermomix sites or recipes online, um, and especially not for healthy recipes. The, mm. the recipe books that came with the Thermomix at the time, there was just the two little booklets. Um, I got my first Thermomix in 2004 and um, the, all there was was a couple of little booklets and it wasn't really healthy food. And yeah. so I was making up recipes for that. And I think that's one of the reasons the blog took off because there's so many people that, you know, are struggling with food allergies or intolerances and um, health issues in their family looking for special diet recipes. Mm. And then those ones that had a thermomix were like, oh, here's a site that has it all. Mm, <laughs> uh, yes. And then also I was sharing the meal plans on an international site every week. And so you could go through and decide what kind of meal plan you wanted, what kind of diet you're looking for, and then you'd click on that and it would go to that person's site. Mm -hmm. So I think that was part of it. Um, and then just really, I, one of the main reasons I started the blog, I was going through a really rough patch and, um, feeling very alone. And, you know, when you've got little kids and living out of town and, um, feeling like the odd one out amongst my friends and family because of the way I ate and like, I used to get called quirky. So that's why I called the blog quirky cooking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cooking's a bit quirky. Yes. So that's how uh, yeah. it happened. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just really felt like I needed an outlet and I needed to be able to connect with other people that were on the same journey. And so that's that's why I started the blog. And so I spent, you know, mostly time at night when the kids were in bed. Um, I would write on the blog and I would talk to people back then it was mostly Twitter um, and, and just really started to connect with other people on the same journey. And I think the connections were what built the blog mm. because the more that you connect with people and talk with people, they feel like they've got support. You feel like you've got support and it becomes this community, this beautiful community. And that's what built quirky cooking was the community I'd take recipes to my community and say I've been playing with this who wants to test it and we'd all try it together and everyone give feedback and then I'd put it up on the blog and then they were like oh Joe, could you could you make a cookbook and I'm like I don't know how to make a cookbook <laughs> <laughs> and then oh, people I met awesome. on Twitter helped me to write a proposal and get it to, in front of people that could actually help me and then that's how that happened so it was just all about the connections I think that's so cool. That's yeah. really beautiful. It kind of just happened naturally, but then also really, the community yeah. <laughs> and the people that were following you actually helped you to progress yeah. in your like business journey as well. Yeah, because I would never have been game to write a cookbook and put myself out there. I was back then I was very introverted and well just I think I was just hiding away from the world mm. a lot. And that was my sort of outlet, but I had no self-confidence. Yeah. Um, so it took years to build up the confidence and to actually start it as a business. But back then it was just a way to connect with people. Yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. So cool. So the cookbook came out in 2014. Yeah, the first one, yeah. And then not soon after, I believe your son Isaac's health started going downhill. Yeah. Can you share what was going on for him? Yeah. So even when, when he was younger, like I remember – well, probably from the time he was tiny, he was always very sensitive to sounds, to all sorts of things. And he was like, 
yeah, it, it was a little bit odd sometimes, the reactions he'd have and the way that he'd start screaming or um, he was intense, like more intense than me. Mm. <laughs> and um, when we started to notice the ups and downs with the anxiety and the sort of really strange behaviour sometimes, I I had no idea what was going on. I remember taking him to the doctor when he was probably 10 or 11 and saying, look, I, he has all these phobias and he's like, and the doctor was like, oh, just take him to a psychologist. I'm thinking, I, want, mm. I, I don't know. I just didn't really feel like I was getting the answers that I needed. Um, and I and I really did notice that whenever I was, because I was learning more and more about, well, at the stage, at that stage, my gut health knowledge was very minimal, but I knew a little bit. And I was also learning about inflammatory foods and that kind of thing. And so whenever I pulled back on the inflammatory foods, like the, um, you know, processed dairy and processed grains and flours and processed sugars and vegetable oils and things like that when I took them out of his diet his anxiety would calm down Mm. and he would be a lot better um he went through a stage where he had this massive phobia of the little girl up the street and there was absolutely no reason she was just she'd just come over and play with my daughter and go home and he would run in his bedroom slam the door lock it and cry Mm. we're like what is going on we tried Mm. to get it out of him and he's like I don't know, you know, mm. and, and there was all sorts of strange things like that. And I, I just, but I did notice whenever I was really careful with his diet, he would come out of that. Mm. And, as things cre- and then I was like, is that a coincidence? And so I'd let the things creep back in or he'd be at friends' places or grandma's or whatever, eating whatever, and then he would go downhill again. Um, and I was so flat out with, you know, I was I was actually like working in, thermics at the time and managing a team and writing a book and homeschooling (laughs) all the things (laughs) yeah and staying up till one in the morning (laughs) to try and write something on the blog and Mm -hmm. it was silly um burn out (laughs) he um yeah he got really bad around that time and I remember while I was writing the first book half the time he was sitting on my lap at the computer while I was trying to write you know, crying and holding on to me. Mm. So that's sort of when the book came out, he really went downhill around that time. Um, and it felt like an overnight change, but looking back, I see all the steps. Mm. Um, so one day he came to me and he said, Mama, I just don't feel like um, I should be playing computer games because I can't stop thinking about them. Oh. And he said, because he was really into Minecraft, he was 13, you know, yeah. and he's like, I think I should stop playing Minecraft. I only let him play it for like half an hour or an hour a day. But he said, I cannot stop thinking about it. He said, it's like, it, mm. it's like everything's made out of blocks and it's all in my head and everywhere I look, there's blocks and I can't stop. Like I think about it all day and at night. And he said, it's like, I can't get it out of my head. I think I'll stop playing it. I said, that sounds like a good idea. Wow. Stop playing it. And the next day all these massive OCD symptoms started, which I didn't know it was that at the time. Wow. And it was like his mind had to have an obsession. And as Mm. soon as he let go of that obsession, everything else started. And he started having, um, he started just screaming out of nowhere, just screaming and throwing his arms around and saying, the rocks are closing in on me. And he Mm. could see stuff that we couldn't see. Like it was horrible. And he'd be staring over your shoulder, looking at something, screaming, and you're like, what? what? Um, And he couldn't couldn't do his schoolwork. He couldn't eat by himself. He couldn't go to the toilet by himself. He couldn't, he'd be like closing and opening doors for ages or turning lights off and on for ages. You try to get him to bed. He'd climb up the ladder to his bunk bed, but he'd go up and down a few times. Mm. Then he'd get into bed and put the covers off and on, off and on, off and on for ages. You'd finally calm him down like 11 o'clock at night and I'd be so exhausted and I'd be like trying to get him to calm down and go to sleep. And he'd just drop off to sleep. And then he'd suddenly sit up in the bed, start screaming. And like the whole, it was crazy. I was spoon feeding him because if the spoon touched his teeth, he would throw the spoon. Like it was Mm. weird, weird stuff. And I didn't know what in the world was going on. 
And I remember one night I got into bed, he'd finally gone to sleep and I was on the computer doing what you do, Googling, trying to figure Mm -hmm. out what was going on. And um, something came into my mind about, um, I had posted a meme once that was a bit of a joke about OCD and I didn't realise how serious OCD was. I thought it was just washing your hands a lot because of germs Mm. or something, you know. And someone had commented on my page and said, that's not funny. OCD is a very serious thing. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I deleted it, but I never really understood. So that came back to mind all of a sudden. And I went, I'm going to see what OCD is. Mm. And I searched online and he had every single symptom. And one of the ones was phobias of people, which that little girl and Mm. all these things started clicking into place. I'm like, oh my goodness. So like the next day I took him to the doctors and I said, this is what's been happening this is what I think it is. She did the verbal testing and she's like, he has very severe OCD. Mm. You need to get him onto medication. You need to get him to a psychologist. Um, and I was just like, like we were sitting at the doctor's office crying and um, I said, look, we'll put him on medication for now, but I don't want this to be long-term and I'm going to work on natural ways to heal him. Mm-hmm. And the doctor was like, <laughs> we'll see if that works yeah. i'll show you <laughs> yeah she was like oh you know you can be on antidepressants all your life it's fine and i'm like yep. he's 13 i don't want him on antidepressants for his whole life mm. anyway so that's when i came home and really did the deep dive into gut health and brain health and how it all links and what you can do to improve it and that's how we found the GAPS protocol and um, the rest is history. (laughs) Yeah, wow. So can you explain for listeners who might not know a lot about GAPS, can you give a little explanation of that? Because it's pretty hardcore at the start. And also, how did you get Isaac to do it? And I think your whole family Mm. ended up doing it, yeah? Yeah, it sounds hardcore. And I had heard people on my page say, oh, don't you have a GAPS recipe for this or something? And I'd be like, gaps and I sort of didn't have much of an idea but then um, a whole food chef that I know you probably know Jude Bloreau over Mm. in Perth she's amazing Um, she said Joe you know if someone's not coping even with whole foods this is a really good way to heal the gut and get them back to being able to cope with whole foods and heal you know heal the gut brain connection so I started looking into it talked to a few others um, and I found that it just made so much sense to me because it's based on traditional healing foods that have been used in cultures all over the world for thousands of years that have foods that have been um, helpful to human beings in all cultures. Um, And it was developed by a neurologist and um, nutritionist who was herself super sick when she was little. Her family thought she was going to die. She was sent, she was in Russia, lived in Russia. Her her family sent her to live with her grandmother in a village and her grandmother was like the local herbal medicine woman. And um, she healed her granddaughter with food, herbal stuff, as well as, you know, vegetables and stuff, but mainly meat stocks, stuffed cooked meats and stews, fermented milk, fermented vegetables, um, all the good fats, um, the the eggs and the egg yolks and the you know those really super nourishing traditional f- foods and um, so she had learnt that sort of healing food um, traditions through her grandmother and then she'd learnt other things as a neurologist and nutritionist and she used those principles to heal her son um, he had autism and she really was able to well from what I can understand really um get rid of the symptoms of that Mm. as he got older and he he was sort of her guinea pig and then she started using those practices in her clinic and then she developed a protocol so the gaps protocol you can either just most people just do full gaps which is a very wide diet um like it's got more variation than say paleo Mm. you can have some legumes and you can have dairy and all of this kind of thing Um, but it's it's also the way that you prepare it and the quality of the food. Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that you put in that are part of the protocol, like um, time in nature, um, movement, filtered water, sunlight. You know, these are all part of the protocol as well. It's not yeah. just the food. So we really dove into that um, and we pulled right back 
pretty early on we pulled right we we started with the full gaps and then pulled back to the intro gaps which is the more intensive phase if you need it so mm-hmm. not everybody needs that and so did you find ran, that Isaac did because he wasn't yeah. responding to the wide one well I think I just was so determined to fast track the healing mm-hmm. yeah um, so if you start with full gaps it you can still heal but generally it'll take a little bit longer um, whereas if you can start with full gaps and then move back further and further into the more intensive um, foods, oh, that's not the right way to say it, but um, just with the more healing foods, yep. then it's going to be quicker. Yep. Um, so we were really focusing on meat stocks, short cooked meat stocks, um, the soft cooked meat, soft vegetables, non-starchy um that kind of thing at first with good fats and then slowly bringing in egg yolks and then egg whites and then avocado and then, you know, the fresh carrot juice mixed with fats, Mm. um, fermented foods. So a little bit of sauerkraut juice at first, then adding in some fermented veggies and sauerkraut and adding in um, 24-hour fermented dairy, um, adding in some milk kefir. So little by little adding in foods um, that are really well prepared so the nuts are fermented or soaked um, before you use them, you know, all of this kind of thing. And so um, we saw within weeks, a couple of weeks, we started to see changes. And within a couple of months, Isaac was like a new child. Wow. He was so happy. Um, he was still a little bit dulled down from the antidepressants, you know, mm. that foggy mm. thing. But by the end of the it was not quite a year he came off the antidepressants and then he was just like (laughs) like Mm. I feel like I can add numbers in my head and everything's so bright and everything's so he was just like it was amazing the difference and miracle yeah and I'd never been able to cope with dairy couldn't even handle butter or ghee Mm. in a year I was on all dairy yeah Um, Yes. Mind you, we try to stick to mostly fermented and yeah. um, butter and ghee. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just the difference in my health was amazing. Um, I gained weight. <laughs> <laughs> um, my son needs help. And then my other kids as well, my daughter that had candida, my son that was snoring and histamine. Mm. Like it just helped all of us so, so much. And mm. I am so glad that we did it. <laughs> And when the when you took was it just Isaac that you took back to the more healing nourishing oh, intro or everyone were the it. kids happy to do it because I know that um, yeah so because of I always say to people you've got to be desperate enough to do that yeah <laughs> we were so desperate like nobody was sleeping well nobody was coping mm. well we were all so stressed out and um, I said we need to do this for your brother. And there was at first a couple of slammed doors and things because of the no bread. <laughs> but that was mum's yummy bread. <laughs> <laughs> they got into it pretty quickly. Um, my husband wasn't quite on board, but he went away for three weeks when we started. So that was perfect. So we yep. got right into it while he was away. And when he got back, he just had to eat what he was given. So <laughs> <laughs> he did go and buy a few things like muesli bars or things like that and he'd stash them in a cupboard but the kids didn't have that and they um actually started to really enjoy the food and it just helped so much and we had you know friends would come over they the kids friends would come over and they'd be like this food is so delicious so I'm like see yeah. <laughs> um and it just yeah I think because we saw the difference and everyone was so much happier um they were fine Mm. it was something we had to do and we knew we had to do it and it helped mm. and the first family and friends were a bit like that's so hardcore mm. they're like no it's not really it's and it's temporary it's not forever yeah the whole idea is to get back to a much whole much more um wholesome and varied diet it's yeah. not going to be like this forever um yeah yeah and and now yeah now they were like so good that you did that so yeah. many of them you know have said you were right and well done you. <laughs> Had to be the mama bear for a while there. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting too. I think it's like it's a huge mindset shift. Even the way that you reframed, I think you said we went into the more intensive and you're like, oh, no, I don't like to use that word. It's the healing. Yeah. And so it is. It's And then I think too 
uh, whether it's children or adults, when they start doing these things that might seem hard initially, but they're starting to get the results, it's like, oh, this is great. This is what my body wants and needs. And it just creates this nice momentum. And then like the healing relationship between your food and yourself is cultivated. So that's lovely. And I should mention also Isaac was so on board. Um, He had, so he had gone through that stage where he was absolutely feeling hopeless and he thought he was the only one in the world that had this weird thing and he was living in another world than everybody else and there was no way he could get out of it. And one night he was laying on the floor crying and I was searching the internet looking for stories of people that had healed from OCD. Mm. And I found this story about this guy who had, I can't remember all the details, but he had come through it and out the other side and was living a normal life and happy and working. And so I read Isaac the story and he was laying there crying and then he got, he just stopped crying and he sat up and he goes, you mean people can get over this? They can get better? And I said, yes. He stood up and that was that. He was ready and he wanted to go for it. And so he was, I, he's such a researcher and I would say, this is what we're going to do. And he would be off researching it all himself. He had all the stages of gaps completely memorized. If I started to give him a food that he wasn't ready for, he'd be like, no, mom, I can't have that one yet. (laughs) He was just on to it. Amazing. 13, 13. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's him. He's, attention to detail, you know, that's part of the OCD. So you, they say that you always keep some of the, you know, characteristics of mm. OCD, but you can use them to your benefit. And he has, he's, he learned Japanese in one year, taught himself conversational Japanese in one year. Then he went on to Chinese and Korean. He studied computer coding. He's working in IT. Like he uses that as a benefit now, that yeah. ability to super focus. Yeah, so cool. So you mentioned some root causes before. So for yourself, you mentioned the genetic issues. Was that MTHFR no, detox? It's or a, it's another one and I've forgotten what it is, but it's the one where you don't make glutathione very easily and um, I've forgotten which one it is. But, yeah, we had a couple of us get the DNA tests, me and yeah. one of the kids, and we both had it. And, um, yeah, I think that's part of it, just mm. not able to detox well. Yeah, so it already puts you into that susceptible mm. susceptibility to reacting to toxins and molds. Like your bucket that, overflows. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you also mentioned too the the busyness, yeah. the doing. <laughs> Can we chat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm always curious too. Like, where did that come from? Did you even notice as a kid? Because you can have genetic mutations, but whether it expresses or not. Yes. You you've demonstrated that you've switched it off with using yeah. like food and gut healing and mindfulness and changing yeah. the way that you're living. But did you even notice like tendencies back when you were a younger kid where you were maybe more like heightened? Probably. Yeah. I was always the sensitive one in the family. I would cry at the drop of a hat like Isaac. Um, mm. I, I would take everything so like it just, I was very emotional Mm. Um, like if my teacher at school said to me, Joe, don't talk or something, I would burst into tears. Oh. Like I was a shocker. Yeah. Um, and just that really sensitive, yeah, in a bit intense kind of personality. I guess I always had that. Um, and so did Isaac. Um, but the working side, like when I was a kid, I played outside and did all that fun stuff. I wasn't like you know, but I think it was when I started, um, I guess I was a bit of an overachiever at school. Mm, yep. <laughs> at school Me and too. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, would not stop until I was top of the class and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I guess that, you know, that's come into my work life as well. Um, but yeah, I just really know, I just can see myself so many times throughout my life when I was stressed about something, I would work my fingers to the bone mm. because that's what kept me, I don't know, it was like it it kept the stress at bay. Mm. Um, and so, and I, my mum and dad are very hard workers. So we had a very strong work ethic and they're both first, first child. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, 
I'm not. I'm the second child, but for some reason I inherited their first tendency. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm, well, I'm always curious and we do a lot of holistic work too. It's like, where did this come from? And, yeah. you know, what beliefs did you have about yourself? But it was interesting too that you said when you started the blog post, you were quite introverted and it took the community to kind of help you to build your confidence. Like what have you done in the process to now like feel good within yourself and I'm assuming you have like better work-life balance and everything yeah. else, like you're way more aware and wise. What what kind of like from that journey side of things, did you do anything specific or it just evolved over time? Um, I think like when I was younger at school and stuff, I was very quiet and I would, I was an artist. I would always be at the art room at lunchtime by myself painting. I didn't really care about being like out there with everybody else. Um, and I would be reading or doing art, like in all my spare time, that's what I did, um, or exploring waterfalls and stuff because I love outdoors. Um, but I didn't really, I think when I was a young adult and I had young children, um, yeah, I, I just went through a bit of a rough patch emotionally and, yeah, didn't really um, feel understood or I didn't feel like I had confidence in myself um, I also because I was so underweight and had the hormone issues mm. I had massive body image issues all through my youth and up into my 30s mm. I, I was so underweight I used to get teased at school and get called um, you know anorexic and stuff mm. like that but I wasn't I ate constantly but I just the nutrients weren't getting through that wrecked gut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so I used to get teased a lot for my skinniness. Mm. It was really difficult. And I think it made me feel less of a woman when I was older. Mm. Um, I didn't feel like I looked nice. And so that made me hide away a bit more too. Um, and so I think as I got healthier and the dark circles went from under my eyes and I started to fill out and started to have I looked healthier. I was um, much more confident in how I looked. I think that helped yeah. somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also just realizing that, hey, there's a lot of stuff that we worry about that we think other people are thinking about us that they're not. And they've got their own issues. Yep. And um, focusing on, for one thing, my children and focusing on giving in a healthy way to others and helping others instead of super focusing on all the things that are wrong with me, you know, mm. um, I think that helped and mm. understanding that, you know what, everybody has things they don't like about themselves. Everybody has struggles with body image or whatever. Mm. Um, and showing other people love and giving of yourself and sharing with them and, and accepting when they give you love and sharing, you know, being gentle on yourself um, makes a huge difference to how you feel. I don't know if I explained that very yeah, well. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I love it. I love it. I think you just turned 52 and you do not look 50. 50. I'll just say it out loud right now. <laughs> yeah. You look gorgeous. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so you've got your three cookbooks, you've got your blog, but can you share with listeners in case they don't know what else you have to offer including your retreat in Italy coming up in the end of May oh my gosh amazing can you share how <laughs> yes um let me just yeah how long is it <laughs> a week <laughs> can you share share with our listeners other ways that you are helping people nourish their bodies yeah I think one of the favorite ways that I help others is through our gut health program. I run that in conjunction with Elise Comerford, who's an um, integrative nutritionist and focuses on gaps and gut health um, a lot in her practice. And she was such a help to me. And we just love to help people to reduce the stress, calm things down, get, get your life a bit more organized so that you have the headspace to think about you and your health. Um, and then help people to one little step at a time improve their diet and their health, um, adding in healing foods before trying to take other things out, 
just little by little with heaps of support and love and just, you know, really good nutritionist and practitioner support as well as the practical support from me with the cooking and the home organization and helping fussy kids to eat better. And I'm good with the practical stuff. Um, the everyday, how does the, how does this, what does this look like in everyday life stuff? Mm. So that's my focus, helping people with that. And the program um, we've been running for nearly five years now, five years, I think, um, three or four times a year. And it's just beautiful to hear mm. the stories coming back from people still really benefiting and finding it's a sustainable way to, to live. Yeah. Um, it's not just a hardcore diet that's come and comes and goes, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of my main focus is helping people with that kind of thing through my cookbooks and my program and um, retreats. So the retreats that I run are focused on the practical stuff mostly. So they're getting the healing foods into your meals, um, lots of cooking classes and lots of outdoors time. So I've got one in Italy in June and one in far north Queensland in September. Awesome. So and beautiful. I have another store too that um, where I'm developing a lot of foods and products for that I love and yeah. sharing that with the world. <laughs> yeah, so good. Now I've got I've got three maybe we'll call them rapid fire questions okay. <laughs> from I'll uh, just hand pick some from some, uh, some Sorry, listeners that <laughs> no 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 it's all it's great it's oh it's been so good so Sarah's asked this is kind of a funny question <laughs> but I'm like oh I'd like to know the answer to this do you ever get sick of cooking <laughs> yeah yeah at times when I'm tired and I think that's the thing I say to people who don't like cooking I said you're probably tired and stressed and rushing because mm -hmm. cooking is not fun when you're tired, stress and rushing. Yep. You've got to set aside a time, like maybe on the weekend or, um, you know, sometime when you can actually relax and enjoy the process and have everything ready, have the, have it planned, what you're going to make, have the ingredients there ready to go. Um, and then put on some music, have a nice quiet household if you mm -hmm. can, and just enjoy the process and do it mindfully. Um, if I'm rushing and I'm tired and I come home from the office late and and the house is a mess, that also doesn't help. If the house and the kitchen are cluttered, I don't enjoy it then. I'm just like, come on, guys, clean the kitchen. Somebody else cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Great. So you're not like a goddess of cooking. And no, I, but always... I, do, I do tend to cook whenever I have time off. I'm like, oh, I'm going to spend some time cooking. I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> but I think the whole conversation we've had today is like it's I just feel like there's a beautiful relationship with food and with yeah. cooking and with nourishing so it's kind of not a, a thing that you just tick off your to-do list which is why no. some people can hate it yeah. uh, not find time for it it's actually just like a lifestyle I think it's my love language yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that should be in the five love languages food. <laughs> um, Andrew has said do you have any tricks to get my seven-year-old to try food that isn't pasta or rice rice yeah. if so you are my new hero <laughs> <laughs> yes um so we talk about this a lot in the program. So bringing in healing foods little by little. So at first you're just adding healing foods to whatever they will eat. So just say they love pasta. You make a bolognese sauce that's got um, some meat stock in it, cooked into it, as well as some, um, you know, veggies really finely chopped if they don't like the veggies, like grated into it. If you can cope, put a little bit of liver in there, minced up or um, liver powder, and then you can put a couple of drops of sauerkraut juice on food and they'll never mm. notice. So you just even a couple of drops or a teaspoon or half a cup of meat stock and a couple of drops of sauerkraut and a, a little bit of organ meats and some good fats, just little bits mm. here and there will start to change things. And as the microbiome changes, the tastes change and they begin to be more open to trying new things. Um, so that's sort of a in a nutshell, but yeah, we talk about that a lot. Yeah. I think that's a great piece of advice too, because it's not about taking out the white foods. It's like, what can we just kind of add in sneakily? <laughs> the kids also, will never I know. I should mention too, it's about the, um, the atmosphere at mm. the table. Like if you're sitting down and it's like, this is stressful and I've got to try and make my child eat 
and it's that tense, angry kind of atmosphere at the table, they're not going to do well with that. Um, making it fun, putting some choices out on platters for them to and say, choose three things. So there's all these healthy choices and they can choose three things to put on their plate. Having a picnic outside, taking them to the lake with a thermos of soup for dinner, you know, make it fun, uh, make it a happy time, make it something that they look forward to, not something they dread. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Mm. And last question, this is from Natural Learning Life. So I think that this is a nice question to end off um, especially being the ending body burnout show. So this is um, a time poor mom with special needs kids. She is exhausted. What first steps should I take to help my exhausted body? Um, sit in the sunshine every morning. Yes. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but it's amazing. Like get up before the kids if you can, like get them to bed as early as possible. You get to bed as early as possible. And then in the morning, get up when the sun's rising and sit there in the sunrise and just have your cuppa, have some filtered water if you can, and just spend some time with complete quietness. You can sit and think, you can journal, you can just drink your coffee. Um, I think that's a really good um, tip that I've found helpful getting to bed early enough and then having that morning sunlight time and it helps with your sleep patterns um, I know you're probably thinking food but sometimes food comes second to that stuff if you can't even get to bed on time and get enough sleep then all the nice food in the world's not going to help you mm. you need to be getting enough sleep if you're exhausted so that's probably where I'd start yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joe. This has been so good. I'm just, I actually just want to go out into my kitchen now <laughs> and the sunshine and the sunshine. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We so appreciate you and everything you have given to the world. Like you have been, I actually do feel like you've been a huge, crucial person in this whole healthy whole food food as medicine movement that started oh. in the 2000s <laughs> <laughs> <That's it. laughs> thank you awesome. thanks so much thank you so much for listening we so appreciate you if you'd like to give us extra smiles drop us a review and spread the love by sharing this episode you can also rate your own state of burnout and the root cause contributors by taking our ending body burnout assessment on our website and if you're interested in learning about our group or one-on-one -on -one ending body burnout programs shoot us a dm via instagram or facebook have, have the, the best, best day, day ever, ever. <laughs>